Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to The Shit Show. Kia ora everyone and welcome to a special solo edition of The Shit Show. You've just got me today to talk about all things fandoms, stands, One Direction, Harry Styles and why it's fucking time that we stop shitting on stands. So this is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately and to be honest it's something I'm weirdly really passionate about and I didn't realize how passionate I was about it till I started writing it all down. So some of you might have read um, a piece I wrote for Shit You Should Care About called It's Time to Stop Shitting on Stands where basically I talk about the fact that young people and particularly women have been managing communities and like building websites or servers or forums and learning Photoshop and writing fan fiction and like teaching themselves how to edit videos and even organizing and mobilizing communities. And they're doing this just all out of this pure, pure love for their faves, like their fave band or artist or whatever. And these skills, which they are genuinely learning and they are genuinely putting into practice, just get absolutely undermined, disregarded, shat on, for lack of better words. And I really am just sick of it. This whole conversation was reignited for me in our Discord server when one of our moderators put in one of the chats that they had added their job as moderating in a Discord server to their resume. And I was like, fuck yes, you should be adding this to your resume because you are working day and night to moderate these sometimes extremely difficult conversations and manage an extremely big community. And these skills are transferable skills. Being able to community manage is something that people want. So fuck yes, put this on your resume. And and then I just started, as my mind does started kind of spiraling into a why do we shit on young people for being in fandoms and learning all these skills when we don't do the same for people that are interested in sports teams and and in fact you know they can often go and get jobs as commentators or as after show analysts or I've read so many listicles about what type of job to get into if you're a sports fan but you know the same precedent isn't set for what kind of job can you get if you're part of a fandom. So I'm going to deep dive, obviously, into all of this during the episode, but that's basically the crux of what we're going to be chatting about. I'm going to go a little bit into my experience as a One Direction stan, which is honestly hilarious. And then, you know, we're also going to talk about K-pop and the actual tangible power that they have proven to have, particularly over 2020 and 2021. So, Sit tight, grab yourself a cuppa, it's a fucking great episode if I don't say so myself, and uh, enjoy the ride with me. 
So I think the first thing that we need to get clear right from the get-go is exactly what is a stan. Now, the origins of the word stan are sort of interesting. The word actually comes from, you remember Eminem's song, Stan? Yeah, so in the song, Stan was Eminem's, like, stalker fan. And if you remember, it's quite dark at the end of the song. Um, Stan, after sending tons of letters to Eminem and not receiving any replies, uh, ends up driving off a bridge, I think it is. It's a it's a very dark origin to the term Stan, but basically it's been taken and turned into like super fan, stalker fan. But yeah, it essentially means like a super fan. So now that we're across what a Stan is, shall we talk about me for a second? I mean, as if I don't jump on this fucking mic and do that every week, but I think it might be beneficial to go through what I was like as a Stan slash who and what I was standing, and maybe the skills that it taught me, which, spoiler alert, have proven to be highly transferable in my running of shit you should care about. Okay, so let's rewind to 2010 slash 2011. I was probably about 14 or 15, and this boy band had just been formed on the UK X Factor. Now, I was watching The X Factor whenever it was aired in New Zealand, um, so I was definitely behind the times. I certainly wasn't watching it live, but spoiler alert, this boy band was One Direction, and honestly, something in me just flipped. Like, a switch just got flicked on, and I was a changed a changed woman. So I was watching all of their video diaries that they would film for X Factor. I was, you know, reading every article in Pop Sugar about them. I made a Twitter account. I just got so, so invested in them. And my family will totally attest to this. I think it was the first time I'd really found something to pour my passion into I I'd had previous bouts of this, I will say, with the Jonas Brothers and then with Camp Rock, but not like this. So I made this Twitter account, right? And I like to think that it wasn't cringe. Like, it's pretty similar to what I do with shit you should care about, kind of. But like, I used a lot of memes and I used humor a lot rather than just kind of gushing over them. I mean, there was plenty of that as well. But this Twitter account got about 70,000 followers, I think, at its peak. And this is where I learned, you know, how to talk to an audience, how to build a community, like the power of fandom and this beautiful, beautiful thing that it can be. And yes, I was there at that really cringe point where everyone was calling themselves directioners and you would use the words amazing, extraordinary, phenomenal, brilliant, and then Fabulous, which which I guess only works when you're writing it because Louis is spelt like Lewis. Yeah, I was there through that cringe, I like girls who eat carrots or I'm afraid of spoons. And if you're understanding these references, 
I love you and thank you for being here. And if you don't, then don't even worry. But um, I was here for that cringe, cringe part of the direction of fandom. And then we all kind of grew out of that and I guess started reading fan fiction. And for some of you, started writing fan fiction. And, you know, the world of Wattpad was opened up. And to be fair... When I was reading fan fiction on Wattpad and Ruby, who co-runs Shit You Should Care About, um, sorry for outing you here, but you definitely did too and we'd talk about it. But I couldn't help but like pick up all the spelling mistakes and, you know, think about the editing of it. And that's where I started learning, you know, that you can self-publish if you want to. Like you can write if you want to, just don't let anything stop you. And I also learned kind of some of the editing skills that I guess I put into practice with um, Siska right now as well. And so, you know, I'd made the Twitter and I was reading the fan fiction and then I got on Tumblr, which is where I learned how to blog. And I would see all of these amazing manipulations of people with their fave member of One Direction. And I was like, damn, I want to do that. So then I fucking learned how to Photoshop because I wanted to be able to make it look like Louis Tomlinson had his arm around me or, or Harry Styles was with Ruby or whatever. I mean, the fact was I would see things that other people were doing in the fandom that they'd taught themselves to do. And then I wanted to teach myself how to do them as well. And so I just would. There was no barriers stopping me. I would learn because I wanted to, not because someone was forcing me to. And that's why these skills that we're all teaching ourselves are so amazing is because we're learning them because we genuinely love the thing. We're not being forced to do it. And so, of course, we're going to get really fucking good at, you know, coding or editing or writing or whatever because it's our passion. It's what we're into. And so there was kind of the skill building part of it. And then there was the actual, like I spent money on them. So for example, and this video was played at my 21st, but there's a video of me and Ruby absolutely losing our shit because somehow like, and this might might have been in 2011 or 2012, we got tickets to One Direction's first concert in New Zealand, which was in Wellington at this tiny theatre that could seat maybe a thousand people. And, you know, it was the most stressful slash exciting moment of our lives. And when we got the tickets, we absolutely lost our fucking minds. Like we did scream and there is evidence of it, but it was just the best feeling in the world. And I know so many people missed out on tickets for it. And we got this really weird, intimate experience with them. And then after we went to the concert in Wellington, our ferry, we had to take a boat back home and our ferry wasn't until like 4am or something. So with our chaperone, we walked around the streets of Wellington and somehow found One Direction in a bar in Wellington. And yes, there was a glass window in between us and them, but we were standing outside getting our flashlights out. Like Niall came up to the glass window. Harry was there. Louis was there. Liam. The only one that wasn't there was Zane. Not sure what happened there. But you can't even imagine. You can't even imagine these people that you're such huge fans of suddenly being within like six feet of you and in a really, really normal situation. Well, not really normal because we were standing outside a bar with like signs that had their heads on sticks, but that is just crack up. But like even now thinking about that, I am just full of love and excitement and oh I don't know that was one of the best moments of 15 year old Lucy's life and to be honest maybe 23 year old Lucy's life that was just 
unmatched. The thing with One Direction for me and Rubes is that we got tickets to the second concert that they did in New Zealand because, of course, we're going to support our boys. But this was maybe when we were like 17 and we were just grown up. And I think our personal lives were more interesting now. So we had less time to spend on being in a fandom and we just, we no longer needed to fill that gap that fandoms can often fill. And so we were kind of over the fandom stage by then, still went to the second concert. It was still great and super, super good for closure, I guess. And then I deleted the Twitter account and I went on with my life. So that is kind of a short summary of my One Direction stand days. I know it's kind of here, there and everywhere, but honestly, that's kind of where I was at that point in my life. I I had this one goal, which was like absolutely loving One Direction, but it was a chaotic time of my life and also a very, very formative time of my life. I am Niall. I'm Harry. I'm Zane. I'm Liam. And I'm Jennifer. (laughs) (laughs) Young people, and particularly young women, are constantly told that the things that they're interested in or the things that they're fans of or being in a fandom is a waste of time. And I'm here to say that being part of a fandom is anything but a waste of time. Now, you've just heard me list some of the skills that I learned that I now use every single day in my job. But I want to reiterate some of the skills that you learn by being in a fandom. So you you learn website and blog and forum building and community management. You use Photoshop, video editing, writing, editing, proofreading, you know, mobilizing and organizing communities, marketing. There are just so many skills. And I really, really want to reiterate that these are transferable and we need to stop letting people think that what we're doing is a waste of time because it's really just quite clearly not. And and putting all these skills aside for a second, you're actually allowed to be interested in whatever the fuck you want. Like at the very lowest level, being a stan is just fun. It gives you some purpose. You make friends. A lot of you were commenting on the post that I wrote yesterday for Siska saying that you learned English through being in fandoms, that you're now a writer because you are reading fan fiction or writing fan fiction. Like you can be part of a fandom and not be in it to level up your skills. But I just want to say that you're actually probably leveling up in the process, but you've just been conditioned to believe that it's all a waste of time and that you could never put this on your resume. It's all in the way that we think about these things or the way that society allows us to think about these things and about being confident in the skills that we've learnt, which women are so much less confident and self-assured than men. I was actually reading a couple of really good articles. One of them is in The Atlantic, and I'll put it in the show notes, but about the confidence gap in the workplace, which is basically saying that men are more self-assured in their skills and in going for promotions and putting them on resumes, et cetera, et cetera, than women are. And I mean, it's something that... We all know, but I think the fact that what we're interested in as young women is so shat on by literally everyone, that's a real contributing factor to this confidence gap. Which very nicely brings me to my next point. Now, some of you aren't going to agree with this, and I also will be making a lot of generalizations here. I'm aware of that. But 
This is a gendered issue. So there is a huge difference in the way society views fans of things like sports or things that generally attract larger groups of male fans and how they view people who are into boy bands or other artists. So the former, the people that are into sports, are often seen as dedicated super fans who are, like, literally, that's being a stan, but how dare we use such a silly term for such a legitimate interest? Like, they certainly are not made to feel embarrassed or ashamed of being a sports fan, unless, you know, their team loses or their team sucks. But like I said earlier, you can actually go on to become a full-time stan of sports in the form of a commentator or all the other kind of analysis jobs that exist around it. I mean, I live in New Zealand, and we're like the home of rugby stands. Thanks to my dad, I've witnessed on YouTube the 20 greatest individual all-black tries of all time. Thanks to my brothers, I've had to sit through hours of F1 funny and awkward moments, like literally hours, and to be honest... F1 drivers are pretty crack up. My oldest brother, Nick, who you've heard on the pod throughout high school, would even host Tour de France viewing sleepovers in the lounge with like his cycling mates. So they would literally stay up all night, mattresses down in the lounge. They brought their favorite team's Lycra, which is literally merch. And they had magazines with, you know, their favorites on the cover. And like Nick would protect these magazines with everything he had. One time my little brother James drew a moustache on a magazine that he got for Christmas and it was just the biggest upset. Or was it me that drew the moustache? Honestly, I grew up blaming James on a lot of the things that I did, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was me that drew that. But anyway, but I never once thought that their interest in these sports was hysterical or something to be ashamed of. Now I know that that's because I I never saw anyone give them shit like I got for being interested in One Direction. The reason I never looked at their interest in these sports as being anything other than passion or dedication is because society had never told them that it was anything other than passion or dedication, whereas my interest in boy bands was absolutely batshit crazy and just embarrassing. And this is despite the fact that I was literally learning valuable skills that I now use today as I run Shit You Should Care About. Me standing One Direction literally gave me the blueprint for how to run this fucking amazing community that we have now. And I was none the wiser. So I really want you to put yourself in my shoes and think about these questions with me. Why was I seen as young, obsessive and wasting my time while all the sports fans in my family were just kind of allowed to exist? Why a young woman screaming at a One Direction concert seen as hysterical, but grown men screaming at their inanimate TVs or literally rioting and causing millions of dollars of damage is all just part of being a sports fan? And then kind of going off from that, it's also like... Okay, if you are a young woman and you're interested in One Direction or K-pop or whatever, then that's embarrassing for you and you should probably keep that to yourself. But if you're like a dude and you're really into this alternative kind of indie rock band, then that's just real cool. Like that's just the height of cool. But then if you're a young woman and you're interested in a 
alternative kind of indie rock band, then you're seen as like a bit of a tryhard. And then say if you're a boy or you're non-binary and you're into One Direction, well, then you get shat on even harder. It's just like this whole weird, gendered, let's shit on people that don't fit into the stereotype of what they should be liking or let's shit on young women for liking what we totally expected they were going to like because they're so predictable. There's a lot. There's layers here. And yes, I get that I'm totally generalizing, but I'm going off of the fan bases that exist for these certain bands or artists and who largely make up the fandoms. I like girls who eat carrots. And this link between young women, boy bands and hysteria is not new and nor is the media's involvement in it. So it really, it wouldn't be a podcast with Loose if I didn't bring up something about the media and how they've perpetuated this. So when writing about the Beatles in the 60s, Paul Johnson wrote that those who flock around the Beatles, who scream themselves into hysteria, whose vacant faces flicker over the TV screen, are the least fortunate of their generation. The dull, the idle, the failures. Just let that sink in. If you like the Beatles, you're dull and you're a failure. I'm sorry, but we're about 60 years on from that, and now it's really cool and edgy to like the Beatles. But no, at the time, these young women who got the Beatles their fame and paid their bills are basically the reason that we're still talking about them. They were absolutely shed on for their interest in them. And this next one? This one really riles me. So this is 50 Years Later. This is written by Jonathan Heath for GQ. And he's writing about One Direction. Like, I don't know why he was charged with doing the feature on One Direction, but this is what he wrote. By now we all know the immense transformative power of a boy band to turn a butter-wouldn't-melt teenage girl into a rabid, knicker-wetting banshee who will tear off her own ears in hysterical fervour when presented with the objects of her fascinations. We're still doing this. 50 years later, we're still shitting on young women for being interested in something. All I can say at this point is that if One Direction hadn't already turned me into a banshee who will tear off her own ears, I am extremely close to doing so now, just so that I literally never have to hear shit like that again. Give it a rest. Now, it wouldn't be a podcast about stands or fandom culture if we didn't talk about the absolute machine that is K-pop stands. So this next segment is kind of dedicated to particularly the BTS army, who are stands of the K-pop group BTS, who just politically mobilize and organize like I have never, ever scene. So back when I was heavily involved in the One Direction fandom, activism wasn't really at the forefront of what we did. But today, you know, there's that whole, if you have a platform, use it argument. And fans and stands are using their platforms. They're making moves. So 2020, which we all know was an absolute shit show, and the global resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement was when the BTS army really demonstrated just how powerful of a machine they were. So they organized an online campaign using the hashtag match a million to match BTS's donation of a million dollars to the Black Lives Matter movement. 
And they reached their goal of matching this $1 million in just over 24 hours. So between BTS themselves and the BTS army, they raised over 2 million US dollars for the Black Lives Matter movement in just over two days. They also took over white supremacist hashtags like White Lives Matter or All Lives Matter on Instagram and Twitter by absolutely flooding the hashtags with fan cams, which are basically just short videos that they'd edited together of their faves on stage, you know, performing. They even successfully sabotaged a Trump rally by reserving hundreds of tickets for seats that they never intended to use. And they did this by like organizing on TikTok, which was so, so cool to watch. And we actually did a podcast all about that when it was happening, which you can go back and listen to if you want more info just on that. To top it all off, just this April, Indian BTS fans raised over 2 million rupees for COVID-19 relief in India again, in just under 24 hours. All of this really is to say that if it was not clear that being a part of a fandom is an excellent use of your time and very worthwhile, not just for you, but for the world we live in, I hope that it's kind of clear now. And I'm aware at this point that this episode has gone on for a wee while. So I will summarize the last of my points very quickly and very simply. But basically, I just want to say that we need to own our power. Because at the end of the day, we are literally the reason that whoever we're standing has a career. So just like be cognizant of that and remember that the power is in our hands. Um, I want to reiterate that the skills that we've taught ourselves are transferable. No matter how ashamed, undermined, dismissed, embarrassed everyone makes you feel about the motives behind learning them. Like, who gives a fuck whether you learnt these skills as part of a fandom or because you were sent to a seminar by your boss? In fact, I'd argue that because you've chosen to learn them yourself and it's come from pure passion and dedication, that these self-taught skills are much more ingrained and you're much better at using them than, you know, when you're being forced to learn them. I mean, I kind of want to finish off just by saying that technically, I guess I've been community managing and photoshopping and writing and platform building and mobilizing. I've been upskilling since 2010, since I first joined the One Direction fandom, which means that next time a job application asks for three or more years of experience, I can kind of just hit them with my 11 plus years, maybe give them some fanfic recommendations for good measure, and maybe show them how the skills have transferred through this wonderful community that we've built with shit you should care about. So I really hope that you took something or you felt heard or validated or you just enjoyed listening to my weird One Direction history. But thank you for listening and thank you for being on this ride with me and standing with me and for all the gorgeous comments on this piece that I wrote, which I'll chuck in the show notes, by the way. Um, And honestly, if you've got any thoughts, any comments, any disagreements that you have and want to raise with me, Come to Shit You Should Care About on Instagram or The Shit Show with a bunch of underscores on Instagram 
or shityoushouldcareabout.com or our Discord server, which low-key best way to reach me. Um, the link for that's in our bio. But just thanks for being here, I guess, from the bottom of my little Stan heart. Thank you for being here. Please share this episode with anyone that you think will give a shit about it. And, you know, if you if you stan us or you stan this episode, please give it a rating or a review. And I will be in your ears next week. Bye, team. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.